0: Welcome to The Woods, a podcast about the mysterious, the legendary, and the plain weird. Because you never know what you'll find in the woods. I'm Shazne, And I'm
1: Sandy. Welcome to episode two. Can't believe we made it this far. Yeah. This
0: is Go it. us. Yeah, it's a long ways. So. Further <laughs> than I thought we'd get. Further than I thought we'd get, yeah. Well, how was your week so far?
1: It was alright. I had a test yesterday. And uh, I spent, I I mean, I found this funnier than it should have been, but I, uh, there were eight questions, there were eight short answers, and we could only answer four. And one of them wasn't even a question, it just said, uh, gay men tend to have more complications living in rural places, period. And I was like, that's not a question. (laughs) And -hmm. I was really tempted to write, Yeah. Yeah.
0: What's your point? Yeah, yeah,
1: you're right. What are you trying to say here? (laughs) Anyway, I just wrote about it, but... Oh, okay. Yeah, what'd you do this week, today?
0: Um, Well, actually, this weekend, my friend got married, so I drove down to Regina, which is a three-hour drive away from here, and uh, yeah, I went to a wedding, and I stayed at my friend's place, and we had, we played video games, it was fun. Uh, The rest of the week, I worked fun
1: yes my hands are fun oh yeah all right should we dive right in yeah let's let's get a roll on (laughs) spook me yeah spook me so am I going first or do you want to go first
0: um mine's longer so should I just go yeah okay (laughs) so so today I have a
1: ghost story and just, uh, I guess, a backstory. I'm trying to collect ghost story books from everywhere I go and everywhere I lived. So, Dylan so generously sent me this book, Haunted Eastern Shore. Uh, so, that's where I got this book or this ghost story from. So, most of my information I got from Haunted Eastern Shore by Mindy Burgoyne, I think is how you pronounce that. I don't know. So, The ghost I'm going to be talking about today is called The Ghost of the Snow Hill Inn, which is located in Snow Hill, Maryland. So that is just a 20-minute drive from where I used to live and where Dylan lives right now. So Snow Hill was super close. It's a place everyone where I used to live knew about. So Snow Hill Inn is located in Snow Hill, Maryland. Obviously, it was built in 1835 for a wealthy landowner and businessman named Levin Townsend. And that's the only thing we hear from this Levin man. Because in 18, in, like in the 1870s, Dr. John S. Aidlot, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, uh, bought this building and ran a medical practice through it. Uh, and he lived there with his son, his daughter, and his wife. So, unfortunately, grief fell on John and his wife when their son, William, killed himself in December of 1904. That's right. Yes. William was R H. He was, like, 21, 22 years old. Oh. And he was going to the University of Maryland in Baltimore, represent. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he was start studying to be a doctor just like his dad. Mm-hmm. So, it was said that he killed himself because he was just under so much pressure to make his dad proud. Oh. And uh, he just found no other way out, rather than uh, slicing his throat. So that's why he killed himself. He slid his throat, like, three times with a razor blade.
0: That sounds absolutely awful.
1: Yeah. But the thing about that is a lot of the descendants from this family now don't think it was suicide. They think it was murder.
0: It sounds like murder. Yeah,
1: because, that, I mean, that's such a weird way to kill yourself.
0: That would... Yeah, like, I couldn't even imagine doing that. Mm
1: -hmm. So William was found by the boarding house uh, keeper who heard groans and the sound of someone falling over. So he walked in, saw William bleeding out on his bed, and he found a note. The note read, Dear Papa, it's useless to keep me at school. And that was it. That was the only thing the note said. So it sounds very unfinished. Yeah, yeah. And just, like, if you're going to kill yourself,
0: that's... that's not, a, like, a typical...
1: Suicide Suicide note. No. It's yeah. just, Dad, it's useless to keep me at school. Also, like, it could have been the beginning of a letter, too. Like, he could have just been talking to his dad, like, Hey, Dad, it's useless to keep me at school. Yeah. This is why. Blah, blah, blah. But that was all he left. And uh, he committed suicide or got murdered. So the next day... A newspaper that's still around called The Baltimore Sun printed an article about it, and I'm going to read a uh, snippet from the article. So back then, they were just not afraid to print these awful, gory stories. So here you go. So hurrying upstairs, the boarding housekeeper opened the door and beheld the young man rolling on the floor groaning and the blood flowing from several gashes across his throat. From the appearance of the room, Mr. Aidlot had evidently cut his throat while standing in front of his buru. He is then believed to have walked to his bed and cut his throat twice again. So, one thing that was weird about that, so it says here that they found him rolling on the floor, but it was obvious he was on his bed because it was like a bloody mess on his bed, obviously. Yeah. But also, the razor blade was found under his bed, which a lot of people thought was weird, because if he was, like, gashing his throat on his bed, why would the razor blade be Be under under his bed?
0: That is very interesting.
1: Yeah, and so, back then, they didn't investigate crime scenes or, like, suicide scenes, I guess, the way they do now. So now we have a team of professionals that come in, they test everything out, analyze everything. Uh, but back then, it was likely the police officer, the coroner, and the emergency responder were all the same dude. And this dude was like, case closed, William committed suicide, end of story.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so the same article reported that William had developed tonsillitis and couldn't attend classes, which I understand why that would be stressful. I've missed classes before for illness, and yeah, it does push you behind quite a bit. And also, I've had tonsillitis, and it can take weeks to finally clear up, and it's so painful, and you can't do anything, and I get it. It's the worst. I hate tonsillitis. You can't eat anything except for ice, basically.
0: Yeah. Um, I only ate applesauce last year.
1: I think I, like... For a week. (laughs) I think I made people go to Tim Hortons and get me the frozen lemonades. Oh, yeah. And I just, like, them back and just keep them on my tonsils. Um, so apparently William had also been talking to a young lady. I don't know who this young lady is. They don't mention her name, but it's speculated that, uh, that that had something to do with his death because apparently she had cut off communication with him abruptly. Oh. So maybe he was just so brokenhearted that, uh, it brought him to commit suicide. So in 1993, the Baltimore Sun did a follow-up interview with William's nephew uh, so his sister's son, about paranormal events that he had witnessed as a child. And I found the article, it's online, and it says, like, they were interviewing this man to talk about paranormal experiences, but he didn't really talk about paranormal experiences very much. What he did say is that uh, he recalled that his grandfather, so John Aidlot, uh, was, uh, and I quote, a little cranky and opinionated and his grandfather refused to talk about William and the death of him. So Dr. George Walton Mapp, who is the nephew, stated that no one in his family believes that William committed suicide. They all like, believe that it was murder. So in the early 1990s, the building was sold and renovated by new owners who converted it into what is now known as the Snow Hill Inn. They converted it into like a bed and breakfast basically. It was during this time that workers and guests were complaining that strange things were happening. So one of the main things that a lot of people would report is that they would see a young man roaming the halls. And this is the creepy shit that said young man liked to do. Are you ready? Oh, yes. Because I I am very scared. So this ghost, like, locking doors, opening windows, shaking beds while people were sleeping in them. No thanks. Wake up call, basically. (laughs) Turning candles off lighting fireplaces, and my favorite appearing in mirrors while people were looking into them. And that reminds me of your story last week. <laughs> yeah,
0: the ladies that would stare in the mirror looking like, for their them,
1: husbands. Like, just imagine, they're trying to look for their husbands and they see this ghost. And I would shit my pants. I don't even know why I would be doing that.
0: What, but would they think, like, that's their husband? Or would like, what if they, like, knew who he was? I don't know. I just imagine these people think that's
1: their husband, and then they spend their whole lifetime looking for him, but and, he's dead. Yeah, he's
0: already dead. Sorry. Well, I mean, maybe they'll meet him someday. Maybe, in the afterlife.
1: Uh, anyways, so the employees at the inn didn't know the history of the house or the people who lived there, so they ended up calling the ghost JJ. I don't know why, but to this day, the ghost is known as JJ. Interesting. Yeah. So later in 2003, an innkeeper brought in a medium after witnessing... Things such as doors being locked, candles lighting themselves. And uh, one day the innkeeper woke up to her bed shaking. So she's like, enough is enough. I'm bringing in a psychic. So the psychic visited the house and confirmed that there was indeed a ghost in the building. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. However, the presence was stronger in the barrister room. Uh, Here, the psychic apparently talked to the ghost and learned that he did indeed commit suicide. And that he did because he was suffering with a broken heart.
0: Aww. So if
1: you believe in the psychic, he did commit suicide and it was because he was heartbroken that this young lady stopped talking to him.
0: I don't know. I still think it's murder.
1: I also think it's murder. Eh, I don't know. we we'll go into that later. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> I don't know. We'll talk about it. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they learned he was dealing with a broken heart, but he did promise to leave the innkeeper alone. So oh, that's good. Yeah. So today it is widely accepted in the Snow Hill community that there is a ghost in this building. People just accept it, people know who he is and a lot of people talk about it like in awe or in laughter like oh this weird thing happened to me while I was in this building or they'll talk about the ghost as if it were their friend. Uh, there are some people who talk about it in terror and in fear but for the most part everyone just accepts that JJ is there. Um, so as far as I know The building isn't being used as an inn anymore, but you can go there for ghost tours.
0: Ooh. Oh, well, when we visit Dylan.
1: Exactly. I was going to say, Dylan, see you in Snow Hill. It's only a 20-minute drive, so you better be there.
0: Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, Dylan. Yeah. We'll meet you there.
1: So, yeah, that was more history. There wasn't much ghost, but I did want to dedicate that story to Dylan because he lives so close to Snow Hill,
0: and he gave me that book, which... Has good use. Well, shout out to Dylan, our first American listener.
1: And only, probably. <laughs> yeah,
0: probably. <laughs> okay, well, oh, yeah. That was good. Thanks. Thank you. You know what's crazy? What? I also did a story about an inn. Awesome. But a bit closer to here. That's still awesome. <laughs> okay, I'll pull it up. Yes,
1: yeah, spook me. I'm so excited. I take a sip of my Starbucks? Super booster. Starbucks and a
0: podcast. So millennial. <sighs> okay, so mine is called The Ghost at Moosehead Inn. Okay, so um, mine takes place in a place called Kenosie Lake, which is a village in Moose Mountain Provincial Park here in Saskatchewan. Ooh. Yes, we are from Saskatchewan. Yes, represent. That's Saskatchewan, good luck saying that. <laughs> um, so it's about two hours away from our capital city, Regina, or four hours away from Saskatoon. Kenosi Lake is most well known for its intricate water slide park, but just across the road is the Moose Head Inn, a place with a rather... Haunting history. The land started out as a dance hall built by a nearby church for teens and adults to enjoy weekly parties, but by the time the 1960s hit, radio, television, and the accessibility to travel to the closest cities left small town dance halls empty. In 1966, Ethel and Archibald Grandison bought two acres of land near Kenosi Lake, and about two years later they built on the church dance, to the Church Dance Hall, dubbing it Grandison Hall, a dance hall for teens. During the 1970s, it was one of the most popular places in Saskatchewan. Ethel and Archibald ran the place until Archibald's passing, leaving Ethel with the task of selling their beloved hall. In 1979, the dance hall was sold to a group of buyers, including a man named Reg Louie, which I actually have no idea how to say his name, We'll call him Reg. Awesome. <laughs> Who remodeled the building into what we know as the Moosehead Inn. The building once again went up for sale in 1989. And when Dale Orsted heard that the hay he had spent many hours at as a teen during the hot summers was for sale, he purchased pop- property with the idea and ambition to turn it into the popular nighttime establishment that it once was. Immediately after gaining possession of the building, Dale began to do renovations in the cabaret room on the second floor. He built new bars and a new DJ booth, but it didn't take long before he began to notice items mysteriously disappearing, only to reappear a few weeks later in the same spot where they had once been. One noticeable incident had to do with a box of till tape that went missing from where it should have been. The whole crew had their eyes peeled for this box of till tape, only for it to show up where it was meant to be days later a spot where the crew had looked numerous times. Did you ever have to, like, restock till tape at work? Yeah. Like, you know how heavy that box is? Yeah. Box of till tape? It's, like, not light. I know. How does that just go missing? Magically. (laughs) Yeah, magic. (laughs) Witchcraft. (laughs) Must be. During construction, the bar wasn't open to public, and Dale suspected that maybe some of the former employees still had keys to the building, so he changed the locks. But not even that could stop items from mysteriously going missing. It wasn't much longer before things started to get a bit spookier at the Moosehead Inn. Dale and his girlfriend, Adele Wyatt, moved into their apartment on the third floor. When they were laying in bed one night, they could hear loud banging coming from the cabaret that would continue on and off for over half an hour. They called the RCMP, which, note, RCMP is like our police in Canada that aren't in the city, yeah. So it's almost... Isn't that kind of like state troopers in the states? I guess. Or something like that? Like, they go... They're, like, between counties or something? I, don't I don't assume know. so. Highway police? I But, like, of. not
1: every province has the RCMP.
0: No. No? Like, no.
1: Ontario doesn't have the RCMP.
0: Yeah. Not anymore. Or... I, I think they had it at one point.
1: Now they're the OPP, which I think is a funny... Yeah.
0: Funny yeah, area. they do have their own police. But I... The, our provinces, like yeah the western provinces. There.
1: Yeah, we have the RCMP, rural Canadian Mounted Police.
0: Yeah, those guys—they ride around on horses and have hats.
1: Every all single one.
0: All, all of them. Like when you get pulled over by a cop, they're on they're on horse. Yeah, their horses are really fast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so they called the RCMP, thinking that maybe someone had broken in, but the source of the sound was never found. They tried to recreate the sound during the daytime, but nothing sounded quite as intense and violent as the sound they heard at night. The next step was to install security cameras, and while there was no video evidence, they did end up capturing the sound, but rather than a noise of someone trying to break in. the Loud bangs were distinctly coming from within the bar. One day, while trying to look up a phone number for the police in the phone book, a large gust of wind came through the bedroom, flipping the pages away from the one that Dale needed. Coincidence? I think I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Other events included footsteps on the stairs when no one was there, a heavy freezer door opening and slamming itself shut, the dishwasher starting itself only to turn off seconds later, the feeling of something touching you as you entered a room, locks would lock and unlock themselves, alarmed emergency doors would open themselves, and a full body apparition of an old man in the apartment. So, like, the one on the third floor, Dale seen a man up there. Yeah. There wasn't really a man. And some mornings, the lights would be on inside, but by the time Dale got through the front door, the lights were off again. These occurrences happened nearly nightly, usually when only a few employees were left in the building before close. After Dale finished his initial renovations, the activity seemed to quiet down for a while and didn't start again until Dale ripped out the old carpet in the cabaret. That night, the activity came back with a vengeance, and the extreme loud banging started once again. Not only did Dale hear it, but three other people, including his roommate and manager, Jeff Stevens, were a witness to the obscure noises coming from the inn. Soon, Dale and his girlfriend would hear a man in from extreme pain coming from the office, a room that was always locked and secured. Then, at about 4 a.m., they heard what sounded exactly like a car crash come from right outside the door of their apartment. Apartment. Now that is a loud noise. Yes. A car crash, like it's
1: like a very startling noise. Like you don't feel good after hearing a noise like that.
0: No. But you can it's, hear like, crunching metal.
1: Yeah, and like you can feel it vibrating. I know I've heard car crashes outside my house, and no, yeah, not a good feeling. It's,
0: it's not something you just forget either. Like, it, yeah, like you you hear that forever. A quote from Dale says, It was loud and as violent as if you were in a head-on car crash. The impact broke dishes in our sink and water began running from the faucet. It was the first time the banging occurred upstairs where we live, but the actual crash was incredible. You can't even describe it. The panic we felt. You could feel a rush of energy. But when Dale went to the other room to check on what could have made the noise, the room was exactly the same as it was before. He tried to recreate the sound by dropping items and even jumping off of furniture, but it wasn't until he lifted the end of a steel desk and dropped it to the ground that he find a close, less violent version of the sound that he had heard before. The only way the sound could have been made as intensely as they heard it was if the desk had levitated off the ground about six feet into the air and dropped, which Dale says would take at least four people to do. Uh, yeah, it was a heavy desk. Yeah, and six feet into the air. Insane. Yeah.
1: Imagine seeing that.
0: No thanks. <laughs> I'd leave and not come back.
1: And my house burns like, it down.
0: Like, if it dropped that desk on me, I'd be squished.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, but just imagine you're at the other side of the room and you see this metal desk levitate and then fall.
0: I'm out. No. So, on top of that, the door into the office where the desk had been was dead bolted shut, and there was no way anybody got into there that night. In April of 1992, a paranormal investigator named Roy Bauer from Winnipeg, Manitoba Shouts out to Manitoba! Next door neighbors! Woo! Reached out to Dale Orsted and asked if he could come investigate the inn. After hearing the counts of activity, Bauer dubbed the haunting of the Moosehead Inn as a classic apparition, which is a spirit who has stayed behind, can react to events in its environment, is intelligent and often mischievous. They also like to attract attention but won't allow... Their activities to be caught. They, just like the banging that occurred when everyone was in bed, but stopped as soon as someone got up to check. Bauer conducted an overnight investigation at the Moosehead Inn, catching some faint footsteps, but one of his videotapes malfunctioned, leaving behind the audio from a pre- previously recorded talk show.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow. In-,
0: <laughs> in which the sounds of the Inn that night taped over... And machinery noises from the inn's dining room could be heard over the talk show voices.
1: <laughs> hey. I like that you wrote. I'm sorry, but what?
0: <laughs> because like you're going to do like okay, you're a paranormal investigator and you're going to de- investigate this place. You're trying to catch ghosts and you use a already used tape. I don't know what life was like back
1: in 1992,
0: but like. What?
1: No, fair. Yeah, that is weird. Like, why? Why would you
0: even take the chance of something, like, possibly malfunctioning like this and, like, not catching what you want to catch, you know? Like, yeah. Take your job. Seriously, man.
1: I mean, I don't know what kind of <laughs> ghost hunting technologies they had back then, but I definitely wouldn't bring a tape that had a talk show recorded onto it though that is kind of funny i wonder what talk show was
0: to be fair he did do this investigation with um a cbc crew so Hmm. possibly it was one of their tapes which would make sense why there's a talk
1: show on it i guess but like come on cbc yeah come on
0: cbc or roy
1: whoever did this yeah just shit together it's supposed to be professional yeah
0: we could do better (laughs) yeah we could let's do it let's do it Inn. Okay, we're quitting our podcast and becoming paranormal investigators. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Bauer had come to a conclusion of two possibilities as to why the Moosehead Inn was haunted. His first theory had to do with a local legend surrounding a church that owned the original dance hall in which Mr. and Mrs. Grandison had built onto to create the Grandison Hall. Locals believe the church to be haunted, and legend says that cars that drive by lose power. Two people were said to have been killed within weeks of visiting the church, and an eerie glow emanates from the church some nights. But more interestingly is a rumor about a minister who committed suicide in the tower of the church. It's freaky. But these things were easily debunked. Oh. <laughs> As the rumor was just a rumor... And the contrast of the white church walls and the black roof would cause it to glow in the moonlight, making the church visible from a long ways away. And since the church was never a physical part of the original dance hall, Bauer doubts its association with the hauntings. So, That's disappointing. Yeah, it's probably not the church. I mean, it it wasn't even in, in like, the same town, I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. So, mm, they just right. they just owned this piece of land. So, mm-hmm. is it some sort of, like, portal? <laughs> Maybe. It's possible. His other theory had to do with Archibald Grandison. When he finished building the dance hall, he suffered a heart attack shortly after, passing away before he could really appreciate his work. Bower believes that since Archibald went from running the place to his passing so suddenly that part of his consciousness and memories were drawn back to the inn. Bower believes that Mr. Grandison's ghost had been con... Content, quietly roamed the inn for 20 years, but was becoming active in protest of Dale's renovations to the place by playing pranks and making it known that he was still there. But this theory did not sit well with Ethel Grandison, the late Archibald's widow, as she believed he was a caring man who loved his dance hall too much to haunt it.
1: I mean, isn't it backwards, though? Like, don't a lot of people say, oh, he loved this place so much, so why would he leave it after death?
0: Yeah, I don't know. This is what this lady thought. I mean, how would you feel though if somebody was like, Yeah, your dead husband, yeah, he's still here and is haunting the place, causing a bunch of mischief. I'd be like classic Ian. <laughs> I'm glad he kept <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, I don't know, like I think I would believe it. I don't but then again, like some people are super religious at the thought of ghost yeah, haunting is just something unspeakable. I know, or I knew people like that. Anytime something weird like that happened, they'd be like, no, it's not a ghost, it's an angel, because ghosts aren't real, and God and stuff.
0: Yeah. Like, I get where she's coming from, because um, she said he was nice, and this ghost is pretty, like, mischievous.
1: And Well, I mean, I like to think I'm a nice person, but I also like to think that when I'm dead, I might not be. That's true.
0: Because, I mean, like,
1: but... you can get away with so much.
0: That's true. Can't wait to be dead.
1: We'll <laughs> report back. Someone contact us with a Ouija board. Yeah. Dylan?
0: Yeah, you better Dylan? contact us with yep. a Ouija board. Yep. Okay. But, upon further investigation, it's believed that while the hauntings of the Moosehead Inn may have had to do with the renovations Dale was working on, Roy Bauer, the ghost investigator, may have had the identity of the ghost wrong. Dale believes it may have been the spirit of Reg, the Louie, 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 I don't know his name, Reg. (laughs) The man who renovated the dance hall into a nightclub in the 1980s. Reg passed away in 1983 after he and his partners purchased the dance hall from Mrs. Grandison. It was Reg and his brother who did most of the original remodeling from a large dance hall into a unique restaurant and nightclub. They built new rooms, installed elegant paneling, added a large bar, dining facilities, and a brand new entertainment center into the cabaret. Reg was unfortunately bought out by his partners and worked as an on-site manager, remodeling the place, and living in the apartment for over a year. Anyone who knew Reg said that he was very angry over being bought out, and when Dale began renovating the place, this could have upset Reg's spirit, leading him to play mischievous pranks on Dale and his guests at the Moosehead Inn.
1: Okay, yeah, that's fair. I would also do that if I was angry.
0: Yeah, like, I think this one fits a lot more than um, Archibald Grandison. Mm -hmm. In a letter to Dale Orsted and Jeff Stevens, dated June of 1992, Roy Bauer wrote about a conversation he had with a psychic about the Moosehead Inn. Not all the events the psychic described could easily refer to Reg, but quite a few did. So here's a few of them. Oh, tell me. She said, hardwood, not original. So there had been hardwood all over the rooms formerly. Stairs have been changed, referring to the stairs that connected the third floor to the cabaret. Proud of the place. Reg was proud of the place as well as everyone involved. A ruffle in sound, like someone working in a workshop. Cabin-like atmosphere. The inside is done in all wood, like a cabin. Female in charge didn't, didn't like her at all. One of the previous owners was a female who Mrej had a fallen out with. In a Western-style buffalo. <laughs> Possibly the moose head hanging on the wall. Western-style <laughs> buffalo. I wonder where the psychic was, like, from. because no, mind, so we have this time. is a Western-style
1: buffalo. Oh, I don't know, but one time, I don't know if I told you, I sent a letter to India with a birthday oh. card. Yeah, and it had a stamp. And the international stamps have elks on them. So the person thanked me and they said, Thank you so much for the stamp. It was a really cute cow with big ears, but they don't have elk in India. So I thought that was really cute. Yeah. I I just like, I don't know, maybe the psychic didn't know what a buffalo was. Or not a buffalo, a moose. Moose was.
0: Yeah, I just wonder where she's like from. Because, I mean, if she's in Canada, she probably knows what the moose is. I mean, not necessarily. Maybe she's in Australia. Maybe.
1: She could be, like, <laughs> southern U.S. They don't have moose there.
0: Yeah. It's just interesting. Yeah. I, and, like, I like like that she said Western-style buffalo.
1: <laughs> it's like, well, we don't have this kind of buffalo here, so...
0: Yeah, so it's, like, because Western is, like, North America is considered, like, the Western. Right? Yeah. So she's from somewhere else, and she says, like, a Western-style buffalo. Does she mean just, like... A buffalo that would possibly be from the West. I guess. North America.
1: Also, I like that your immediate or assumption was, oh, she's probably from Australia. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm just obsessed with Australia.
1: Do we have any Australian listeners? Hi, Maybe. if you're from Australia. Yes.
0: Hit us up. We want to know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know us about Australia. So the psychic also noted items such as a church in the distance, won't hurt anyone just hanging around, brothers, strong-willed, and opposite of the way he liked it before, referring to the spirit's dislike of the renovations. So the last reported case of a large disturbance by the spirit in the Moosehead Inn was in 1993 when Dale Orsted installed a new island bar and changed the the design of the cabaret. The week after construction, a caretaker heard chairs and tables being moved in the cabaret after closing. The manager, Jeff Stevens, Heard the noises as well, but they failed to figure out the cause. Otherwise, it has just been the usual things like footsteps or heavy doors swinging themselves open. I like how that's the usual. <laughs> like typical. Yeah. Every happen- day. Happens all the time. No biggie. What? It's doors opening and shit. The usual. Typical. In 1997, a psychic fair was held at the inn where Dale and two employees took part in a seance that uncovered three ghosts at the inn. Jesus. A cleaning lady, a young male who had drowned, and an old man. The psychic was able to convince two of the spirits to leave, but the old man refused. She said it was the spirit of Archibald Grandison, who had a request for Dale to take care of his widowed wife, Ethel, who lived next door, which Orsted obeyed, obeyed until Ethel's death in 1991. So this psychic also says it's Archibald, and not Reg. Hmm.
1: But I'm convinced it's Reg.
0: Yeah.
1: Could they both be haunting the place?
0: Yeah. Totally possible. Or maybe so I'm maybe more Archibald Reg just, vibes. Yeah, like I think Reg is definitely the one who was like being a, a brat yeah. <laughs> in the place. This is my house. Yeah, but maybe Archibald came back just to talk. Dale, like, hey, look after Ethel, like she's right yeah. next door. Oh, take care of her. Yeah. Because she's getting old. And yeah, Dale did so. Um, and then a cleaning lady, which like I don't know where that came from, but <laughs> sure. But the a young male who had drowned, that would kind of make sense because Kenosi Lake, where the inn is, there's a bunch of lakes around, and right across from this inn is their big water slide park, which is actually really cool. Have you ever seen it? Maybe. Okay, it's there's like a bunch of hills, and the water slides are built like straight into the hills. Oh, cool. Maybe I haven't <laughs> then. Yeah, let's go. I I want to go just to see all the
1: ghosts. Yeah. So, <laughs> if the water slides look cool, maybe we'll go.
0: We'll go try them. Okay. Yeah. I'll will finish this off. So okay. in 2012, a team of paranormal investigators from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Did an investigation of the Moosehead Inn. It's on season one and episode six of The Other Side, a paranormal investigation show that can be found on the APTN network. And I will post a link to the show on our blog. Check it out. Yeah. I watched it. Was it fun? I mean, this was like 20, 30 years after all this stuff has happened. Hmm. And like Dale said, like nothing really happened. Do you
1: think it's possible, like, you have a heavily haunted place, I guess, I guess it would be possible that at some point they're just ready to move on, like, there's nothing else for us here.
0: Yeah, and the ghosts always seem to get active only during construction, so maybe Dale hasn't, like, done any more construction since then. And, like, I did see pictures of the place, and, like, it definitely looks like Maybe it could use an upgrade soon, so maybe it has been a while since renovations have been
1: done. Maybe they're just fine when it's not being renovated, but when it is, they just need their opinion known.
0: Yeah, probably. Yeah, that could be it. Reg.
1: They're just waiting.
0: Classic Reg. Classic Reg. (laughs) Um, So today, the Moosehead Inn is a nautical-themed restaurant with a nightclub on the second floor in the Cabaret. Nice. Nice. So fun? yeah, maybe I'll post a, a link to their website as well. Their food looks pretty good. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. It's only four hours away. That's not bad. No, not at all.
1: I mean, not really. Okay, <laughs> Canada's really big. Like we can drive for eight hours and still be in Saskatchewan.
0: Literally, I've done it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: like when we used to work at that one place. <laughs> I won't say it, the name on. Yeah. On here. But um, we have to go to different towns and cities around Saskatchewan to set up parties and stuff. And you could spend a whole eight hours in a car, spend 30 minutes setting up this event, and another eight hours driving back.
0: Yeah, I have a cabin, and we drive three hours there and back every weekend. And that's normal here.
1: Yeah. it's. I know I tell some people, and they're like, that's insane. We can drive eight hours and visit this many countries. I'm like, well, I wish. Yeah, <laughs> this place is huge. It huge and empty. Like it took us like three days to drive from here to Barrie, Ontario. Oh yeah. And that's without us stopping.
0: Yeah, that's that was my story. That was fun.
1: Yeah, oh, I like yeah. how we
0: both did inns. Inns
1: are just, like, asking yeah. to be haunted. We
0: absolutely haven't had a theme. That's fine. Except, like, my inn, I don't think it's actually a place you can stay, so I don't know what the definition of an inn is. Alright, should we sign off? Yeah, I, I was trying to think of something cool to say, but I don't have anything. Um, okay. Follow us on Twitter, at Woods Podcast. And follow us on Instagram, at the Woods Podcast. Email us at thewoodspodcast@gmail.com and check out our blog thewoodspodcast.home.blog music credits to jason shaw for our theme run in waters see you next time